If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we could just turn. This I'm sure. Into would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious beings tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 22 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. There is no big UFC event this week. We just have Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series airing tonight, Tuesday, June 12th, 2018. And uh, we're just going to talk about UFC 225 that went down this past Saturday. I couldn't wait uh, a couple more weeks to talk about this pay-per-view. I couldn't wait until uh, UFC Singapore, which goes down, I believe, nine days from now. So I'd have to wait uh, another week or two to talk about these fights. So I just thought I would uh, record an episode, talk about uh, Dana White's show tonight, and recap these fights from Saturday night. So uh, just to start things off, we're going to talk about UFC 225. Man, uh... This card wasn't uh, wasn't too successful from most people's point of views, but man, did I love this card! Um, there were so many uh, good results from this this card. Uh, you know, betting wise, didn't did did okay. You know, uh, lost a little bit, but uh, wasn't wasn't mad about that at all. Um, couple a uh, couple square plays, but nothing nothing too bad. We'll talk about uh, first. We had Dan Ige uh, knocking out Mike Santiago in 50 seconds into the first round. Uh, a lot of people thought that this fight was going to go to decision and. Uh, um, you know, it was a pretty close fight. Uh, Ige opened at the, a pretty big favorite and um, shrunk down to more about uh, even odds. Ended up getting the quick knockout in this one. So Santiago, uh, three losses in a row. He'll be probably getting his walking papers. But uh, Ige uh, looked pretty good in this fight. Uh, obviously, you know, scoring the knockout really early. Um, <clears throat> next fight, we had uh, Charles Oliveira tying Hoist Gracie for the most submissions in UFC history, submitting Clay Guida in the first round via guillotine choke. Man, um, this is a pretty common uh, predicted uh, outcome of this fight. You know, people were uh, knew that Clay Guida was going to try to wrestle. You know that uh, he's gotten his neck snatched before, and he's kind of reckless. You know, shooting his head in there. And uh, Charles Oliveira, one of the best uh, submission uh, grapplers in UFC history. So um, you know, Oliveira did snatch that neck and uh, get the win in this one. Uh, he was the favorite, uh, just slight favorite. Took this fight on short notice, but pretty impressive win for Charles Oliveira, stopping uh, Clay Guida, who was on a bit of a bit of a win streak. But it seems like uh, Guida's win streak was against uh, you know Eric Koch, Joe Lozon. Maybe it's only against these, uh, you know, older lightweights who are, you know, on the outs of their career where he can still beat them. While uh, younger guys like Oliveira are still able to uh, beat Guida. Um, next fight, we had Sergio Pettis defeating Joseph Benavidez in a little bit of a controversial decision, I believe. Um, let's check MMA decisions right now um, to uh, see what the... Um, what the split on this fight was, but man, I thought uh, I thought Pettis won the fight, uh, it, it, but it's hard to tell. I mean, a lot of people were betting on Benavides, uh, 
that he was only minus two. He was minus two hundred in this fight. A lot of people thought it was going to be a lot clearer uh, a win for Benavidez, and um, a lot of people laid the juice on him at minus two hundred. So they were uh, a little bit swayed his way, but. Uh, I think that Pettis won the fight. Um, looking at MMADecisions.com right now, we have about uh, 10 writers for 29-28. Um, Benavidez, uh, looks like 9 writers for 29-28 Pettis and 3 for 30-27 uh, Pettis. And the majority of the people sided, the majority of the fans, however, sided with uh, Benavidez 29-28, 67% of people uh, picking that result. So interesting to say the least. Um, Pettis uh, dropped um, Benavidez in the first round. He, uh, very shocking. You know, he Benavidez was coming into the, these exchanges uh, a little recklessly, and Pettis uh, dropped him uh, a couple times with some pistons of right hands that he was throwing. Um, uh, you know, Benavides recovered well and was able to, you know, uh, take uh, Pettis down and recover for a little bit. So it uh, wasn't a 10-8 round or anything. Like that. So clear 10-9 for Pettis. Uh, you know, Benavides uh, won the uh, the second round by, you know, just getting takedowns. And the third round was a bit of a stalling round. Neither guy did too much. And uh, I don't know, I guess... Saying that saying that Pettis won, uh, I don't know. That's the way it seemed to me watching the fight live. But I mean, uh, these these results are pretty hard to go against. Seventy seven percent of people saying that Benavides won round two, and seventy nine percent of people saying Benavides won round three. Um, so I mean, uh, the judges were all over the place in this card. So this is one of uh, many uh, controversial controversial decisions that we'll talk about tonight. But, um, you know, interesting fight nonetheless. I think that uh, Pettis is probably ready for, uh, uh, maybe not ready for a title shot because, I mean, he looked, you know, uh, you know, good at this fight at best. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who, uh, maybe Ray Borg versus Sergio Pettis next because I believe Cejudo, uh, yeah, Cejudo versus uh, Demetrius Johnson is confirmed. So, you might as well not sit on the shelf for uh, another, you know, three uh no uh, uh pettis would probably be looking at six months until he fought uh demetrius johnson so you might as well get in there and fight uh ray borg or uh pantoja or some somebody uh you know high ranked at uh i mean benavidez was i believe the number one ranked uh feather or uh flyweight coming into this fight so i mean it's it's uh hard to deny him being the number one contender but like i said he's going to have to wait for a good amount of time um to get that title shot doesn't seem like they updated the uh, quote-unquote official rankings uh, on the UFC.com yet, but um, yeah, I imagine Sergio Pettis will be uh, ranked second behind Henry Cejudo at ranked rank number one. So uh, flyweight is a uh, you know not too interesting right now, but um, that's the way it's always been. So moving along this card, we have uh, Anthony Smith knocking out Rashad Evans in the first round, 53 seconds in. Beautiful knee. Um, he were, they were clenched up against the fence. Rashad shot for a sloppy takedown. Uh, Anthony stuffed it, and you know Joe Rogan was saying he's looking to set up this knee right. Oh, now and he lands the, the knee and knocks Rashad silly and lands up with some uh, follows up with some ground and pound, finishes off the fight. Good performance by Anthony Smith. Rashad Evans is uh, d done as uh, done as they come, man. Five losses in a row. Uh, he, he should definitely retire. Next fight, uh, we had Chris De La Roca defeating Rashad Coulter. 
3 minutes and 53 seconds into the second round. Man, what a crazy fight this was. The first round was a barn burner of, you know, back and forth, uh, both heavyweights rocking each other, sloppy punches, bad cardio, fat guys, great fight, great uh, heavyweight action. Uh, everyone was, you know, loving it. They were going back and forth. Rogan was, you know, saying this fight is as advertised, ladies and gentlemen. You know, two big heavy guys, you know, just throwing haymakers and it was great for the first round and uh after the first round um stalled out a little bit i believe uh you know chris uh, got a takedown and got on top of rashad coulter and his arms were so freaking tired from you know trying to finish him in the first uh, and you know the exchanges in the beginning of the second that he couldn't muster up the strength in his arms to ground and pound rashad coulter so he was mounted on coulter for i don't know two or three minutes uh, a heavyweight, 250 pounds, and he couldn't find, you know, the strength in his arms to finish this fight. And eventually, the the referee just seen enough of this terrible lay and pray, uh, pitter patter, ground and pound, and stopped the fight on a really like stupid, you know, stoppage. He wasn't really getting hit at all, and he stopped it. So, I don't know. I uh, you know, just because the fight is boring and sloppy doesn't mean you can necessarily stop it when the guys, you know, I mean. Unless it's like Kimbo Slice and Dada 5000, I don't understand how you can just stop the fight for guys, you know, just doing doing nothing and being boring. Um, but regardless, um, fun first round of that fight. Really great uh, back and forth. Uh, next fight, Masad Bektik defeated Ricardo Lamas by split decision. Uh, interesting. I thought Masad Bektik won this fight pretty clearly. Um, let me uh, check the uh, results on uh, MMADecisions.com. Yeah, every single person on that uh, on MMA's decisions for the media scored the fight for Bektik uh, in a mix between 29-28 and 30-27, um, while, uh, you know, very few people scored the fight for Lamas. So I don't understand how that fight got that split. Um, kind of, you know, kind of crazy. Um, that You know, just a, another example of how this judging was pretty inconsistent. Um, so, uh, you know, but Mursad Bektik looking good in this fight. Ricardo Lamas just not really looking the same anymore after that, uh, uh, Josh Emmett knockout. Um, you know, he's been kind of on the decline for, uh, a little while. You know, uh, he, uh, you know, the, the, he, uh, always lost to the really high competition, top five competition, Aldo, Mendez, Holloway. And then uh, now he's starting to lose to the competition, you know, somewhere in between ranked 5th and 10th, you know, and Josh Emmett and Mursad Bektik. So um, I hope uh, Ricardo Lamas gets a little bit easier of an opponent to bounce back from next time. But Mursad Bektik is uh, looking looking way better and uh, moving his way up to the top 10 in uh, featherweight, uh, possibly top 5 by the end of the year if he can maybe get uh, one or two more good wins. Um Next fight, Claudio Gadelia defeating Carla Esparza by split decision. Um, man, so this fight was shocking. Uh, Claudio Gadelia was a gigantic favorite, minus 400, minus 500, somewhere somewhere around there. And, um, you know, in the first round, Claudio was able to rock, uh, and, um, excuse me, Carla was able to rock uh, Claudio Gadelia like we've pretty much never seen before. You know, Gadelia uh, has fought Joanna and Andrade, and she's gotten hit with a barrage of punches and been hurt and been tired, and uh, you know, but she's never been straight up like wobbled where her feet were, weren't under her from a punch. And Carla Esparza somehow did that to her. Carla Esparza, the wrestle, the wrestle fucker who is known for you know taking people down and maybe mustering out a submission. 
um, you know, hasn't really done too well in the UFC lately. He's, you know, won over lower-level competition, but all of a sudden, Claudio Gadelia, um, you know, one of the most consistently high-ranked uh, strawweights in the world, uh, Carlos showed up to this fight. Uh, it was a really close fight. I mean, I, I don't have, I mean, obviously, uh, Carla won uh, the first round uh, when she rocked Gadelia pretty hard, and, um... It's, uh, I believe that uh, Gedalia won the, the latter two rounds after that, but they were close rounds. They were close rounds with a lot of scrambles, a lot of wrestling. Uh, it seems like a majority of the media has the fight for Gedalia around, I don't know, 20 people for Gedalia compared to four for Esparza, um, while the majority of the public also agrees that Gedalia won the fight. So, uh, you know, close fight, but pretty good showing from uh, Carla Esparza. And some people who laid the juice on uh Carlos or Claudia, goddamn these names are fucking me up. Uh, people who laid the juice on Claudia at minus four hundred probably shit their pants when uh, Carlos Sparza rocked uh, Gadelia. But regardless, Gadelia uh, recovered pretty well and uh, you know had a close fight. Uh, it could have gone either way though. Honestly, I feel like Carlos should have won the fight. She definitely did the more damage in the first round and um, you know, but she uh, you know the way the the point the scoring system works and. Uh, you know, some some little intricacies like control or grappling or takedowns in round two and three can negate the most significant strike of the fight in round one where Carla really had uh, Gedalia hurt. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about scoring later and uh, after the main event. Uh, but uh, we'll keep going on this card. Curtis Blades defeating Alistair Overeem uh, by knockout uh, via elbows uh, 2 minutes and 55 seconds into the third round. Man, Curtis Blades just really outclassing over Alistair Overeem in this one. Not much uh, striking really being done on the feet in this one. I don't think any strikes were really thrown on the feet until maybe like late into the second round in this one. They were really just feeling each other out on the feet for a long time. Uh, uh, Alistair knew that he was at risk for takedowns, and uh, man, Curtis Blades just blasted a double leg. He's got probably one of the best double legs in the UFC right now. Um, he's just so powerful, so quick with it. He, he just, uh, you know, came out of nowhere with it, got Alistair down, and controlled him on the mat. He uh, is a little bit of a control, a little stall, stall and brawl kind of guy. Uh, he likes taking people down and, you know, keep in position. He kept Alistair in, you know, side control for a couple minutes in this fight, just, you know, grind, uh, holding the position and winning the round. But he was able to, you know, wear Alistair down and uh, finish him in the third round with a vicious barrage of ground and pound and elbows where he cut Alistair up and, uh, man, nasty finish. Uh, bloodied them all up. And uh, Curtis Blades, man, is the real deal. He's, uh, you know, uh, in the meantime, but, uh, you know, it's not really clear who's the clear contender, Alex Volkov or Curtis Blades. I think that's an amazing fight that they got a book because, you know, Stipe and DC probably have, uh, you know, they're fighting each other next month and they're going to need a couple months to recover after that fight. So you might as well get a number one contender fight, Curtis Blades versus Alex Volkov. Um, that would be a great fight. So, uh, oh, and Alistair Overeem. Shit, man. Might as well, uh, might as well think about hanging him up. Like the next fight should be his retirement fight, and give him some easy heavyweight. Like you know, just, just, I don't know. Just give him some easy fight to to get out of there and sail out, sail out into the sunset. Because that guy cannot take too many more beatings before he's just gonna 
gonna, you know, something bad's gonna happen. He's been knocked out uh, an, ins- an insane amount of times in his career. 21 times. To- oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 13. 13 times. That's not that many. But uh, 13 in MMA, 7 in kickboxing. So 20 total. Dude's been knocked out 20 times. Uh, I mean, that's gotta be like the most in human history. So, um, man, Lord have mercy on that guy. Um, all right, moving on to the main card, uh, the people's main event, Mike Jackson defeating CM Punk via unanimous decision, 30, 26 on all three cards. CM Punk not really having too many skills in there. He wasn't th- uh, facing a really dangerous guy like Mickey Gall, so Mike Jackson was able to just, you know, have a really boring decision to beat him uh, in this fight. But, man, uh, this fight was something else. Um, Punk really showed no skills, no striking skills, no grappling. Um, Jackson showed a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of boxing skills, was able to get top position and, you know, land a little bit of ground and pound on uh, CM Punk. But really poor fight overall. Um, you know, really boring. The commentators were shitting all over it. Uh, Dana White was shitting all over it afterwards. You know, he said that CM Punk should probably be done. Mike Jackson's a fucking idiot for not trying to finish this fight. And he should probably go back to doing whatever he was doing before fighting. And he was just insulting Mike Jackson for, you know, he's like, you, I put you on the main card and you do that. Like, just such a fucking idiot Dana White is. Um, you know, just bashing the guy who you put on your main card. Like, you put him there, dude. You were the one who wanted this fight on the main card. Um, even admitted that he should have put the fight on Fight Pass. Which, man, uh, just just goes to show how stupid he is. Um, moving along from that fight, Ty Tuvasa defeating Andre Arlovsky by unanimous decision. Uh, good good fight here. Ty Tuvasa, I believe, uh, won the first round of this fight. Uh, Andre Arlovsky comes back to win the second, and uh, Ty Tuvasa might uh, edge the third a little bit. Not much happened in the third, but I think uh, Ty Tuvasa definitely won. I was on Arlovsky decision, so kind of a... a, a a bit of a bad beat in my mind um, because the third round, you know, one judge did give it to Arlovsky, um, two gave it to Tyvosa, but, uh, you know, oh well. Uh, all, all, wait a minute. I believe all three judges gave uh, gave the fight to, uh, yeah, all three gave it to, it wasn't unanimous. It was unanimous. It wasn't split, but, um, you know, a couple people had the fight for Arlovsky. It was a close fight. You know, uh, t- two of us approved that he's not really too impressive. He's got pretty low output in the low later round, the later rounds. Um, he's kind of a one round fighter, but I mean, he won this fight via decision, which a lot of people thought he wasn't gonna do. That was like plus seven hundred odds or something like that. So, uh, you know, good win on his part. But Andre Arlovski is still very much like a contender in this division. You know, Ty Tavosa was supposed to be this up and coming heavy young heavyweight who was knocking dudes out, and Arlovski still gave him a really tough fight. So, uh, Arlovski is still, you know, somehow uh, revitalized at heavyweight. Uh, moving along, uh, Holly Holm defeating Megan Anderson, 30-27, 30-26, 30-26. Holly Holm just outclassed Megan Anderson in this fight. Probably could have finished it in the later rounds. She was just totally in control of the fight the entire time and just didn't really chase the finish. Uh, I don't really blame her. You know, Holly Holm's not really that much of a late finisher and not really like a type of to ground and pound anybody out. I mean, she actually took this fight to the ground a lot um, to negate Megan's power punches, which was a good idea. 
so uh you know home is a very adaptable very good fight iq um and she talked about you know wanting her uh her bantamweight belt back and you know wanting to challenge amanda nunez and amanda nunez says that she uh, wants to do it so uh great great uh matchmaking by those two i mean holly Holm, and how many title shots can she get i guess i mean she's she's great she's a very good fighter like i said her iq is so good i mean she showed off her wrestling in this fight she has uh, obviously has great striking um and uh you know i can't really deny giving her the next shot at uh, 135 even though this fight was at uh featherweight she beat a really dangerous person who a lot of people thought was you know gonna possibly knock her out and uh you know she uh, won this fight pretty easily so good for holly home she's only like minus 140 minus 150 in this fight pretty insane uh, I imagine that the Amanda Nunes Holly Holm line will be pretty much like a pick'em, or maybe Holly Holm is like a slight underdog, but a uh, close fight, and that that should be a good one. Maybe we'll get to see that uh, later this year. Uh, the co-main event, the my favorite fight of the evening, uh, Colby Covington defeating Rafael dos Anjos, 49-46, 48-47, 48-47. What a what a great fight! Um, you know, this was kind of an underrated fight, but man, Colby Covington's pace that he set in this fight was uh, one that has uh, it was it was one of a kind uh, in, in a lot of different ways because uh, you know so many people were talking uh, were talking shit on him saying that he's you know all, he's all all talk and he's not gonna back it up and. How RDA's cardio was, you know, so insane at uh, welterweight, and how you know one of the one of the, Colby's performance honestly reminds me of Rafael dos Anjos's performance against Anthony Pettis at UFC 185 back in 2015. You know, Pettis, uh, dos Anjos was a huge underdog at that time. Uh, Pettis, you know, people thought he was gonna reign supreme over the lightweight division for years, and Dos Anjos came in there and beat the brakes off him for 15 minutes and just set the or 25 minutes, set this incredible pace like no one has ever seen before, and that's what Colby did in this fight: just relentless pressure, relentless in your face, relentless going, uh, you know, thro throwing shots out and you know going for the takedown. Uh, you know, not really too active with the ground and pound uh, as the Damian Maya fight, more control-oriented. But, you know, he, he won the rounds, uh, four rounds to one judge, three to the other, uh, I believe. Uh, let me let me see uh, which, which rounds went to who. Um, they all, let's see, we had two judges give Dos Anjos the first, and, uh, and I, I gave Covington the first. Uh, I agree with Michael Bell. And this one, uh, the judge scored uh, the second round. Uh, two judges gave it to Covington. One judge gave it to Dos Anjos. Again, close round. The first two were pretty close. Uh, all three judges gave the third round to Covington. Uh, two judges gave the uh, fourth round to uh, Dos Anjos. And all three gave the fifth to Covington. Uh, I had the fight 49-46. I had Covington winning all rounds but the fourth Um you know, RDA was able to take uh, Colby down in that round, surprisingly, and have some success. And um, he uh, won that round. And, uh, you know, but the other rounds were pretty clear Covington rounds in my mind. Um, you know, really great fight from Covington. Uh, we had, you know, a couple people. The fight looks like, you know, 25 media scoring it for Covington, 5 for Do Dos Anjos. Uh, I don't really see how you can score that fight for Dos Anjos. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, uh, you know, 
inexplainable how you can score that fight for him. He did not win under any circumstances. But, um, you know, Kobe Covington, you know, set up the fight for Tyron Woodley, obviously, uh, you know, played the, played the heel um, in the interview, called out uh, uh, Tyron Woodley to uh, unify the welterweight belt. He is now the interim champion. Called, said that he's going to bring the belt to uh, Donald Trump's desk like an Amer real American should. You know, just embracing that uh, heel character, pretty much anything, uh, you know, any any unlikable thing to the public, Colby Covington's going to do. So, you know, the animosity towards Donald Trump in our country, he uses that towards his favor, and he's embracing him to get more people to dislike him. It's really ingenious, and it's really working. And, uh, you know, um, Tyron Woodley is already, you know, fired up and wants to, wants to fight Colby. Uh, once, uh, he, you know, he did some interviews saying that he's never wanted to beat somebody up this bad and he's going to punch a hole in his face or something like that, which is just great for Colby. It means that everything is working. He's in his head. I think so. I mean, when you have an interview, when the fight just happened, Colby come or Tyron Woodley, excuse me, hasn't fought in 10 months. And he's all of a sudden talking about, he's, oh, let me also mention that Tyron Willie's been working for TMZ. He's been making stupid movies and movie roles. He's been calling out Nate Diaz. He's been wanting super fights. He's been turning down real fights. He's a, he's a freaking crybaby, crywoman Woodley. And um, he uh, all of a sudden is coming out of his shell saying he wants to punch a hole in Col Covington's face. Well, I mean, it's because Colby's trash talking is working. He's in his head already. It's a great sign. Um, you know, we've seen this before. A trash talker gets in like a champ's head, and all of a sudden, the trash talker somehow wins. You know, Conor McGregor did it to Jose Aldo and shocked the world. So, uh, you know, that fight's going to be incredible. Hopefully, it happens by the end of the year. Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, uh, can't wait for that one. But uh, Colby Covington, uh, you know, just saw this fight so clearly. Uh, was on his money line. Was on his decision line. So you know, good win for us in that one. And, uh, you know, just great, great fight. Um, moving on to the main event, uh, we had a, a razor-thin fight of the year. Uh, I mean, one of the fights of the year. We had, you know, Gaethje and Poirier is up there. But, man, this fight was absolutely incredible. Robert Whitaker defeating Yoel Romero. Split decision, 48-47, 47-48, and 48-47. So, three judges scored the f or uh, two judges scored it for uh, Whitaker. One scored it for Yoel. Man, I was shocked at the result of this one. Uh, I laid a, uh, a, a live bet on Whitaker at, um, after the fourth round and was a little worried, man. I thought that uh, Yoel won the fifth, and um, he definitely won the fifth, and uh, somehow the judges still gave it to Whitaker, though. So, um, so let's see. The first two rounds, all three judges uh, had it for Whitaker. Uh, the third round, uh, all three judges had 10-9 for Romero. Um and, uh, you know, so here's where the, the first, not controversy, but discussion comes up. Round three, a lot of people thought that it was a 10-8 for Romero. Uh, Yoel rocked uh, Whitaker pretty badly in this one. But, I mean, Whitaker ended up coming back later in this round and landed a pretty strong head kick uh, in, in this round where, like, you know, it would have knocked out most people. Uh, I mean, it knocked out Jacare, it knocked out uh, Derek Brunson, and uh, somehow uh, Romero just ate it clean. And um, so Whitaker, uh, you know, came back a little bit in that round from almost being finished, and that's why what most people gave that round a 10-9. And uh, let's see, uh, Romero was able to uh, rock Whitaker at the end of the fourth round as well. 
but uh, Whitaker was able to win the, 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 the first four minutes of the round controller pretty easily. Romero did not do much. And um, two judges gave that round to Whitaker. That was really the round that changed everything. You know, it all depended on how you saw that fourth round. One judge, Saldimato, gave it the, that round to Whit, uh, Romero for obviously rocking him at the end of the round. But um, two judges saw for Whitaker for the damage he did in the prior four minutes. And then Romero came out in the fifth round and, you know, was able to rock Whitaker again. Whitaker was, you know, pretty out of it. Didn't really am amount much offense in this one. And you could actually give this round, uh, in my opinion, a case for a 10-8 for Yoel Romero. Making the fight 47-47 uh, uh, a draw, which I believe the fight should have been. It was so, so fucking close. You know, Whitaker clearly won the first two rounds. The latter three rounds, Romero rocked Whitaker in all three rounds. You know, the fourth round is really what it came down to. Uh, I mean, I would probably have to watch the fight again to really score, but it seemed like a draw live. Uh, if anything, honestly, uh, it seemed like Yoel did more to win it than uh, Whitaker did. But, you know, I was obviously happy, uh, you know, with the decision because I won my, my live bet on uh, Whitaker, but I honestly uh, could have saw the fight going a different way. And uh, definitely see the uh, the reason for, you know, uh, talking about MMA judging. Uh, again, you know, it's a pretty consistent problem in our sport. We see inconsistent judging pretty much on every card. And this card, you know, having uh, four split decisions, uh, pretty worrisome. You know, with uh, pretty uh, notable judges, you know, Chris Lee, Sal Diamato, a lot of guys that uh, judge uh, fights very, very often. Um... And even those guys are, you know, disagreeing on uh, the criteria of these fights. So it seems like, you know, I mean, obviously it's not something that's going to happen too soon. But these uh, these um, scoring criteria just really needs uh, some 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 work. Um, and it's, it's so evident. Um, you know, the 10-8 rounds, this is a, uh, Illinois is a, a new rule state, which means the judges are supposed to be more lenient with 10-8 rounds. And uh, somehow the the no judges gave any round a 10-8 uh, in the main event. So they gave Mike Jackson a 10-8 for beating up CM Punk in the third round, I think. But they did not give uh, Yoel Romero uh, or Robert Whitaker any 10-8s, which is you know pretty incredible. Um, just the judging is just really inconsistent and uh, really needs work. But I don't really see much being done with it, unfortunately, because. Um, you know, the UFC just has no interest in fixing the judging. It's not a problem in their mind. Uh, you know, they don't really, Dana White doesn't know how to score fights. He doesn't know shit about, uh, you know, the criteria or he doesn't give a shit about who wins decisions. Uh, it's all about, you know, the unified rules of MMA, which are unfortunately a little bit scrambled at the moment. So, um, you know, great, great pay-per-view. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the two title fights i think were great they delivered and uh they delivered big time the rest of the car was a little bit lackluster had a pretty good fight pass prelims three finishes three first round finishes i think on there uh yeah three first round finishes one one uh close uh back and forth decision a uh, couple uh good knockouts on or not a couple good one good fight on the uh prelims and blades couple a uh, couple okay fights with uh, Gedalia and Esparza back and forth uh Bektik fight wasn't too exciting and then uh, you know the Toyovasa fight was uh Arlovsky fight was pretty good back and forth the CM Punk fight uh shit the bed home not too exciting but uh you know great card um 
I was very happy with it. Like I said, even though I lost a little bit of money on it, I uh, was you know, pretty, uh, pretty happy with the results. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series going down tonight in less than six hours, actually. Uh, I'm going to talk about the odds a little bit. And, uh, you know, I don't really know too much about these guys, you know, because, you know, none of them have fought in the UFC before. They're all pretty regional. I'm not going to be betting on uh, any of these uh, any of these fights because um, you know that's just I don't know I don't I don't I don't think I need to do that um, to study these old regional fights um, but it'll be fun to watch um, interested to see what they have this season um, so the first fight it looks like we got Will Santiago taking on Kevin Holland Will Santiago is nine and four taking on Kevin Holland who's twelve and three uh, the picture on UFC.com Will Santiago looks about two hundred pounds. And Kevin Holland looks uh, about um, maybe 155. Uh, they they say this fight is taking place at 185, but uh, man, that's that's hard to believe by these pictures. Um, uh, like I said, um, let's see what the what the odds for. I mean, there's a lot. Of, it seems like there's a lot of mismatches on this card. Kevin Holland is a minus 770 favorite right now. Will Santiago is plus 538. I mean, uh, he opened at minus 530, so right off the bat, uh, his odds were pretty pretty incredible. Uh, it seems like Kevin Holland has a has a pretty good uh, has a pretty uh, um, good amount of experience. He's fought in LFA. He's fought in uh, uh, Legacy FC. So um, he definitely has a lot more experience, and it seems like uh, seems like he's a uh, pretty favorite in this matchup. Obviously, at the minus 730 odds. Uh, yeah, he's also fought in uh, Bellator. While uh, Will Santiago, let's see where this gentleman has come from. Yeah, it seems like a bunch of regional promotions. Not really, uh, not really much behind his record. So it seems like a pretty uh, clear squash match for uh, Kevin Holland, and uh, maybe they're just you know, you know, just setting him up for the UFC. Uh, five going to be a five-inch uh, five height advantage in this fight. So really short and stocky middleweight versus a tall and lanky one. Um, so uh, moving on, we have Montel Jackson, who is 2-0, taking on Rico Disculoo, who is 9-1. So uh, a guy with 10 fights versus a guy with two fights. Um, interesting, to say the least. Uh, let's pull up the Rico's record. Uh, you know he comes from CES MMA. Um, he's fought uh, uh, you know some some legitimate opponents, but uh, mostly mostly garbage men with you know pretty lackluster records. Seems like a pretty padded record at uh, nine and one. While uh, Montel uh, Jackson has fought in uh, King of the Cage, he's got a good amount of amateur experience, um, but also hasn't fought two high level opponents. Doesn't seem like they're bringing too many uh, high level guys into this Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. It seems like they're bringing in uh, a couple, uh, maybe one or two guys per card that uh, maybe will draw some attention. And then the rest of the fights are kind of just filler fights with anybody they can find. So that, moving on to our next fight, that's going to be the fight that's going to draw all the attention in this one. Two former NFL players in Greg Hardy and Austin Lane are uh, going to be f uh, both making their uh, pro debuts uh, in in this one. Actually, I feel like uh, I feel like Justin Lane has or Austin Lane, excuse me, has pro experience. Yeah, he does. He's he's two and zero as a pro. It's not on the UFC's website, but he's won both of his fights in less than thirty seconds. Um, Greg Hardy making his pro debut. He's got a, got a good bit of amateur experience. Winning all three of his amateur fights by a knockout in the first round, so um, this one, uh, this one opened up. Uh, Greg Hardy opened up at uh, as a uh, underdog, surprisingly. 
and uh, has now been bet down to a favorite uh, uh, pretty moderately. He's uh, minus 140 now. He opened at, uh, says he opened at minus 300. So this fight, I believe, opened up two different times. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. When the fight first got announced, it came on five dimes as Greg Hardy as a gigantic favorite. Um, but then, but then, uh, later it came on as uh, a, a moderate favorite. I believe they switched opponents or something like that because there's there's two different lines on uh, five dimes right now, and it's some some weird stuff's going on. Either way, Greg Hardy opened as a as a um, uh, an underdog for this fight. Uh, Austin Lane as the favorite, you know, be, having the pro experience already probably earned him that favorite. But uh, seems like the hype is coming in on a. Uh, Greg Hardy and they got bet him down to a favorite so this is definitely the closest matchup on the the fight odds wise all the other ones are pretty heavy favorites and uh surprise this fight is in the main event because this is the fight that uh is going to draw most of the viewers to this uh this event and uh one other thing worth noting Greg Hardy has uh, been conv uh, arrested and convicted of domestic violence before, and uh, Dana White is pretty, uh, pretty clearly, uh, uh, you know, denying those claims and covering up for Greg Hardy, saying that he's a good guy and his training partners say he's a good guy, and you know, no charges were filed and he was never arrested, even though, like I said, he was clearly arrested and um, clearly charged. So interesting to see that. Uh, uh, Dana White is, you know, covering up for this, um, um, you know, a woman abuser, even though he claims UFC has a zero tolerance policy for, uh, you know, domestic violence, even though they have, you know, let off domestic violence uh, people before, like, you know, Travis Brown and, uh, you know, I'm sure a slew of other fighters as well. So I'm um, not really con too concerned. I don't think Dana White is. Yeah, but I mean, it's his, his pretty d despicable lies to cover up for a guy like this. And to, uh, you know, everyone is saying, yeah, he get, he deserves to, you know, he doesn't deserve to be in jail. He doesn't deserve to, uh, you know, anything too negative to happen for him. But he doesn't deserve a, a chance to be a successful athlete again after he already ruined his first chance by, you know, beating a woman. Um, pretty pretty bad, too, you know. He, he, he fucked her up, and she, he, she thought she, you know, could have died, and he was, you know, beating her in the face and her back and all over her body. So pretty, pretty gruesome incident. Um, but you know, the UFC doesn't really give a fuck. They're just trying to get these viewers. So uh, moving along, we have Chris Curtis, uh, who opened up as a minus six hundred favorite, who is now uh, he's uh, shrunk down to minus four seventy favorite, uh, taking on Sean Lally, who opened up at plus four hundred. Like I said, so money's come in on uh, Sean Lally a little bit in this one. But like I said, it seems like uh, squash matches are a little bit of a a little bit of a theme on this card. Chris Curtis has a record of 18 and 5 uh you know uh, also coming from of course tons of different regional regional promotions most recently ces mma it seems like a pretty common uh location for a lot of these guys taking on uh, uh you know sean lally who's seven and two he comes from cage titans fc he's fought uh, almost all of his fights in there which is a, a much more uh, rec uh you know notable promotion has you know a lot of first round knockouts though you know has gone the went the distance in his most recent fight but um yeah so you know you can see that the guy is obviously had a a good amount of experience nine fights and a pretty uh pretty good regional promotion so that's why he uh you know got bet down a little bit but Chris Curry is still having a pretty uh, massive experience uh, advantage on this one um 
So uh, moving on to the main event, we have Alonzo Menifield, who is 6-0, coming over from LFA. He was on Dana White's uh, last uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series. He's fought in Bellator, RFA, so uh, come from a lot of different promotions, uh, regional promotions, which are all pretty familiar, and uh, has a lot of first-round finishes, a couple second-round finishes as well. And he is taking on Deshaun Boatwright, who has you know has come from uh, Gladiator Series, which is a, gl- a pretty notorious, terrible promotion. Uh, they do a lot of squash fights. His last fight was against a, a gentleman who was one and four. So um, also has come from Ring of Combat, which is a little bit of a better promotion. Um, but yeah, so again, seems like a, a gigantic squash match in the main event for Alonzo Menafield. He is currently at minus four twenty-five uh, after opening at minus six hundred. So. Uh, a little bit of money come in, uh, Sean Boatwright's way. You know, th- these these guys are not these guys are not you know uh, high level pro MMA athletes. So saying that one of them should be minus six hundred is kind of ridiculous. Obviously, you know, just the Sean Boatwright guy obviously has you know a little bit of skills, has a couple of knockouts on his record. Um, you know, uh, this guy with six fights isn't really too high above this guy with three fights. So saying that he should be minus six hundred is kind of ridiculous. Either way, um, you know, this is a, I don't know if I'll do a podcast for every uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, but uh, maybe uh, maybe I'll, uh, you know, talk about it a little bit if there's uh, uh, some interesting matchups in the card. But really happy these are back. These are awesome, you know, just to get a little MMA in the middle of the week at 8 p.m. It's not too late. Quick five-fight card. You know, last year they had the, the Snoop cast with Snoop Dogg as a commentator. I'm pretty sure they're not bringing him back anymore. But, um, you know, pr- pretty, pretty, uh, you know, he lost his chance after he, uh, he went off on some weird, uh, tangent rage outburst on Conor McGregor after the, the, um, Floyd Mayweather fight. So I don't think that the UFC really interested, was interested in bringing him back. I'm sure they had to pay him a ton of money too, to, to commentate, uh, MMA fights, but, um, uh, you know, so um, more uh, talking about uh, Dana White because we're talking about his show. So, uh, Ally Quinto was on the MMA uh, hour most uh, the most recently. Um, it was yesterday actually, talking about how Dana White's sense of reality is gone, saying how he you know wants to bring back the uh, the late weigh-ins, the four p.m. weigh-ins. Uh, contrary to almost all fighters and dietitians and you know camps and coaches who are saying that the early weigh-ins are the way to go, so um, less people miss weight uh, at the 4 p.m. weigh-ins, but the fighters also had a lot less time to rehydrate. So now the fighters have six extra hours to rehydrate, but um, they're missing weight a little bit more. So Dana White ignores the fact that you know the, the, the fighters are healthier when they step in the cage, ignores the fact that this is the healthier method of doing things, and you know sees that you know his percentages of weight uh, you know missing weight are a little bit higher, and decides that he is you know. Um, he is going to move the weigh-ins and you know he's been quoted saying we're moving them back like there's no discussion like he's not listening to fighters at all it makes no fucking sense like ally quint is saying that he's risking the fighter's safety like he's you know he's he's totally just in a world of his own he's got no sense of reality he's just some 
propaganda agenda you know guy i mean the similarities between him and trump are so so similar i mean he gets on the mic and a reporter asks him one question and he finds a way to just spin it off into something else and take it as a personal attack and you know you know taunt some other numbers about how the U- 2017 was the ufc's best year or something like that like you know he's just so so uh in a world of his own it's really sad to see you know ally quinta even saying that he could run this thing into the ground and that he should really step off as you know president i don't think he's ready to step out as president yet uh, i think he still wants to be around for a long amount of time i think he just needs to wise up and realize like what the fuck he's doing you know, uh, I mean, to quote Ally Quinta again, saying that Lorenzo Fertitta used to keep him in check and he used to keep him on a leash, and now there's nobody really doing that, and he's doing whatever the fuck he wants, and he, uh, like I said, it's you know really putting the fighter's safety at risk if he's you know moving these weigh-ins, which seems like the the wrong idea. Um, so, you know, just more more every week, it's we're talking about something Dana White lies about or something Dana White is doing wrong, but. You know, uh, it's it's uh, it's a con- constant controversy. Really sad to see, but um, that's uh, a couple other uh, news stories in the week before we wrap up this uh, short episode of the podcast. Uh, Stephen Thompson calling for a fight uh, with uh, Robbie Lawler at Madison Square Garden. Uh, probably that'll be November. Um, that's a great fight. I think that should happen. It seems like they're pretty evenly matched, and somehow those guys haven't. I mean, it seems like a pretty good uh, matchup for, uh, you know, Wonder Boy. Obviously, he's going to be the better striker, and uh, Lawler is a brawler. So, um, but, you know, that fight has never happened yet somehow, so I think we should get that one before the both those guys' careers kind of come down, down to an end. And uh, Ronda Rousey was announced that she is going to be announced into the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, they did this at this uh, that, uh, right after the CM Punk fight, I think. Really taking advantage of the WWE crowd and audience that would be tuning into the CM Punk fight can't really can't really knock him for that. It's a pretty smart move, but uh, you know she definitely deserves to be in the the, the Hall of Fame. But uh, you know, so I, I I don't see why I don't see why now is not uh not now is not a good time as ever. So um you know no, no uh, real uh problems with doing that. And uh, let's see. Last uh, last bit of news that we're gonna say is uh, Ariel Helwani is uh, finished with uh, the MMA Hour. He's finished with MMA fighting. He's going to be starting it at ESPN pretty soon. And um, you know, so that'll be a lot of a lot of changes. Uh, we're gonna see Ariel on ESPN. That'll be pretty cool. Start to see MMA get a little more uh, a little more mainstream attention. Hopefully. Um, you know, I'm scrolling through this the the top news stories on Reddit. Um, they're already talking about uh, Robert Whitaker's next opponent, whether it'll be Chris Weidman or Kel- Kelvin Gastelum. But Chris Weidman hasn't fought in ten months, and like I said, he, his last win was over Gastelum. But Gastelum's ha- uh, won a couple fights since then, so I, I don't think you can give the title shot to either of them over one another. Uh, I think we have to see a rematch uh, between those two, or have Kelvin Gastelum fight um, uh, Yoel Romero. And Chris Weidman fight Jacare, two fights that had never happened before. 
And, uh, you know, Robert Whitaker uh, broke his thumb in, in the first round of the, the fight against uh, Yoel Romero, which makes his, his victory even more impressive. So, uh, you know, um, he's already going into some, some surgery to, I think he has surgery scheduled very soon for his hand and is going to start trying to get back in there by the end of the year. But that seems pretty crazy considering the fact he just broke his thumb and wants to get back in there after a year. But I mean, or, I mean, at the, by the end of the year, so six months. So who knows? But I don't think there's a clear contender at middleweight. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think that there should be another fight before uh, before anybody gets the title shot there. And, um, you know, not even worth bringing up the fact that Dana White is s saying that uh, he wants, that Brock Lesnar wants to fight in the UFC again. I don't fucking believe that. Brock Lesnar uses Dana White like a fiddle, plays him like a fiddle. Uh, anytime that he wants more money from Vince, he, go, he t you know, talks to Dana and teases Dana. And Dana leaks something to the media and says how, you know, Brock wants to fight again. And then all of a sudden, Brock gets a new WWE contractor. You know, vice versa. He's he's a very smart guy. Um, who the fuck cares? You know, uh, Brock Lesnar versus John Jones. That's that fight is. It's such a freak show, um, and it'll be obviously great to see. But it, it'll it'll also you know go against. Uh, it'll it'll just embrace the fact that the UFC and MMA is just a, a total wild wild west sport where you know steroid users and you know cheaters and you know all these blatantly terrible people can just continue to thrive and success and get multiple chances like Brock Lesnar and John Jones. So honestly, even though the fight will be amazing to see and would be a total freak show with some millions of pay-per-views, I honestly hope it doesn't happen. Um, but it's, you know, it's all skeptical. It's all, you know, hypo uh, hypothetical considering that Dana White said it. So, uh, I think that's going to be uh, all for this week. Uh, you know, like we said, uh, the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series goes down tonight. Uh, very happy this fight. Uh, these uh, This series is back. It's a great series for uh, for the summer. And uh, the next episode of uh, Martian MMA will be uh, before UFC Singapore, which goes down on uh, June 23rd. So we'll uh, have an episode before that talking about that card. Taking a look at that card, it's pretty pretty uh mediocre you know a lot of names i don't even recognize a lot of new people on this uh, card so that'll be interesting to talk about um so uh but this was nice to do a little uh, quick episode and just recapping the great pay-per-view that went down saturday we had a new champ colby covington getting crowned setting up the unification bout with uh, tyron woodley at the end of the year it's going to be a huge huge fight and uh, one of the one of the greatest uh, greatest MMA fights of all time, honestly, back and forth, crazy, uh, you know, rocking one another, uh, crazy scoring, uh, and uh, honestly, it should have been a draw in my mind. Yo Romero and Robert Whitaker uh, might see a trilogy uh, in the coming years, but uh, it wouldn't be too crazy. All right, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I thank you for tuning in to episode 22 of Martian MMA, and I'll catch you guys before UFC Singapore next week. Peace.